So over the last few weeks, we've been talking through a series called Into the Wilderness because we saw how Jesus went into the wilderness. And just like the Israelites, and as he went out there, just like them, one of the things that he was facing, one of the main things he was facing was this battle against sin and temptation. And so the devil comes out and he meets them out there in the desert. And as Jesus is, hey, as Jesus is out there, Satan's trying to use these different tactics to get Jesus to fall into temptation and to sin. And Jesus is able to use scripture. And so we've been encouraging you guys, hey, listen, the only way to fight sin, the only way to grow in your life is to know the word of God. So we've been memorizing scripture. And hopefully you guys have been doing that with us each week. We're sending it out. We're texting it. We're emailing it. We're sending it through the app. We're doing games here at Firehouse because we believe it's important that you guys are memorizing the word of God. So that when Satan shows up in your wilderness, in your life, you're able to pull that out of your heart and your mind and say, no, I know what God's word says. And so as we've been on this journey kind of talking about sin, we talked about this filter that we have, right, that we can look through in this awesome verse that talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And, and as we look at our different decisions that we're about to make in life and the things that we're doing, we can go, hey, is this something that's just attracting my eyes and that I'm desiring and that, that isn't pleasing to God? but I want it because I see it and I need to have it? Is this something that, that my body, the lust of my flesh is saying, I really want this and need this? And so it's not something that glorifies God, but I feel like I really need it. Or is it something that, that in us says, man, I deserve this. I know this doesn't please God. I know this is wrong, but I deserve it. And so as we kind of plug our, our thoughts actions and our decisions through that filter, we have a way to kind of look at things around us and go, wait a minute, that sounds a lot like the pride of life. That sounds a lot like the lust of the eyes or the flesh. And we know that it's sin. And so tonight, one thing I wanted us to do is as we kind of look at Scripture and say, what does Scripture say is sin? Literally, like what are the things in Scripture that the Bible says this is blatant, plain clear sin. So if I were to ask you tonight, you'd say, hey, I'm here, I love Jesus, and you'd raise your hand, say, I'm saved, and and I know that being saved means that I want to look like Christ, and Christ hates sin. We've studied that in John, right? The more you love the world, the less you love God, John says, and vice versa, and so I'm supposed to hate sin, so I need to know the things I should hate so I can stay away from that and chase Jesus. And so tonight, if I were to ask you, hey, what are those things that you need to stay away from? What is sin? And so I need two volunteers to come up, two people that you need to be kind of strong because I need to do something. Come on, I see you right here. And then I see uh, Blake, get up here, bro. Come on, you can help. All right, I need you guys to hold this. And I need some more volunteers. So if you had your hands up, we're still going to, let's have you stand right here, okay? And you hold this side. Blake, come on up. You can hold this side because Blake's coming that way. You're going to hold this side. You guys are our makeshift chalkboard holders. And I have a marker, and we're going to write on this thing. So I need some volunteers. Who could come up and write a sin on our sign here? Anybody know a sin that they could come up and write? Just any sin on the top of your head. Uh, right there, I, can, I see a light and a halo, and I see a blonde kid. Can't tell who you are. I see Dustin back there. Oh, hey, buddy. No, I know you. Come on. <laughs> you look like an angel back there. Okay. What sin are you writing? Write it thick so everyone can see it because my marker's kind of thin. Murder. Okay. Is that a sin? Yeah. Okay. All right. 
We think that's a sin. That's a general consensus in the room. Come on back, Matthias. Come up, Matthias. Get up here. You got one? Okay. Who else has a sin? Let's make a little line. Come on, Dylan, Ellie, come on. Here. Come on up. Yeah, write something. Tell us what it, you're going to take the cap off. Take the cap off. There you go. What is this that you're writing here? That was, that was a bit of why. Why? I-N-G. Bullying. Bullying. Is that a sin? Yes. The room says yes. Thanks, bro. I'll take that. What are you writing there? Drugs. Drugs. Doing, being adri- addicted to drugs. What else we got? Uh, We're all leaning in like, ooh, what are they going to write? There's so much anticipation. Mankind. mankind is sin. Okay, I see where you're going with that. I can see where you're going. There is none righteous, no, not one. So we're sinful people. Anybody else got one? Anybody else have a sin you can bring up here? Drew, come give us a sin. Just write Justin. No, just kidding. Come on. Come on. Please knock him out. Bad thoughts. Bad thoughts. It's not a real Devin, you don't got one? You don't got one? You got one? Come on up. What's a sin? We're making a list of sins. Eating too much chick nugs. Yeah, overeating. It's a bad one. That'll catch up. I've been there for. I see nuggets. I see nuggets on there. Hey guys, don't eat too many chick nugs. Jealousy. Is that a sin? Yes, the room says yes. Come on up. Come on up. We got some more. Now listen, we're not asking for your favorite. You're not supposed to have a favorite sin here, okay? This is just like write something you know is sin. What else we got? Yeah. Yes, to whoever just asked that. What do you write? Lying. Harming others. Smoking. Hate. Ooh, hate. You got one? Ralphie's got one. Come on, come on. Self-harm. Yeah. That is a sin. Self-harm is a sin. It is. LGBT. Yep, yep. What you got? What you got, Dylan? You got one? Addicted to what? Technology. Technology, addiction. What else we got? What erased? Okay. <laughs> he wrote reckless driving, I think. Porn? Yep. What else? All right. Now you guys just hold it out like this for for them, all right? Hold it out so everybody can see. Everybody peek up here. 
Okay? Well, just do the best you can. Squint if you need to. Now, let me reel you back in because I'm, I'm proud of your participation. Thank you guys for coming up here and for being brave and for writing some stuff on the board for us. we got a lot of different things up here that I see, and, and you're still writing. You can stop. All right? Why don't you guys slide that over there against the wall for me? Thank you. Give these guys a hand for being our sign holders. Good job. Now, as we talk about sin and we're looking for like ways to avoid sin, we're up here, we're trying to make this like exhaustive list. We want to know what every sin is so that we don't commit it, right? Because we want to follow Jesus. That's our heart. We want to be like Jesus. We want to imitate him. And so we're trying to come up with this exhaustive list, meaning put everything we could possibly think of on the board and there's this interesting thing that happens as we start to focus a lot on sin and what sin is. And am I doing it? Am I not doing it? Do I have the whole list down? And there's this thing that happens in me that's even sinful as I talk about sin. My heart wants to do one of two things. My heart either wants to say, as long as I follow Jesus, the sin, it's just not that important because I love Jesus a lot. So the sin I do, you know... He's going to forgive it. It's not that big of a deal. And we start to look at sin like God doesn't really care that much about it. Like it's really not that big a deal to God. And we slip into this thing called liberalism where we start to tolerate it. We start to excuse it and say it's just not that big of a deal because grace has just kind of freed us from all that. We don't even have to worry, but we can just do it. Or my heart wants to go this way and have a bent that says, I need a and I need to write everything down and I need to know every single dot about this thing and I need to add some stuff because maybe it's not complete and I want to be really sure I'm not sinning and so let's just do these things too just to be safe and now I look like a Pharisee who's making up my own sins my own rules for the Bible and I'm adding to the Bible what it doesn't even say and that's called legalism and so I have this bent in my heart when I talk about sin that Satan's so good even trying to avoid sin to pull me into sin. And so Jesus does some really cool stuff, and we're going to see this next week. We don't have time tonight to get into what Jesus is about to do next week, and he's going to flip the tables upside down on us and do some really awesome things with what we're going to study tonight. But tonight, here's my goal. Not that we make this exhaustive list and get super consumed with every dot on the board, but that we look at the things God has made clear and plain to us that is sin in Scripture. Because there are things God's put in there, and he's been very clear to say, don't do this. And so, tonight, I just wanted to look through a few of those. And just see what what he's already made plain and clear as we look in. And so, we're going to look to a very obvious passage, all right? It's Exodus chapter 20, if you guys want to open there. God gives Moses this list. Kind of like what we're trying to do here, but God's list is really good. God's list is perfect, and it's awesome, and it's something you guys will recognize when I say Ten Commandments. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, and they're very clear, and they're very specific, and you know what? They're still good for us today. They never stopped being good for us to follow and to obey, and sometimes we think, well, that was like Moses, and it was like a tablet, and we make fun of old people still write on those, like none of that's good today. No, it still is. We're going to see Jesus talking about them next week in our next lesson. So open up with me. It's Exodus 20, verses 1 to 21. We're going to check out this passage about the Ten Commandments. 
It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And here they go. Ready? Try to keep them like in your head. Keep track of them. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. So how many do we have so far? we got two so far. For I, the Lord your God, am jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation, those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the Lord name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner, the guest, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, we just listed ten commandments. Ten things that God specifically said to Moses to tell the people. Here's how I want you to be like me and to avoid sin and evil and unrighteousness. And here's how he's defining it to them. First of all, you shall have no other gods before me. You know that God's jealous. God wants all of your love, all of your affection, all of your worship. But here's what we do, because immediately when you read this and think of like a stone tablet, you're probably thinking like me, you're imagining these like the sun god, like the thunder god, and like Zeus, and like all these crazy like weird gods in your head, and they were probably doing some of that back then. But that's not the only thing that can become our god. That's not the only thing that can steal your worship and your affection and attention from the one true god. And he's talking about that too. He's talking about our iPhones that we can't take our eyes off of and we spend more time doing this social media stuff and whatever else we do, gaming and other things that take our time away, that they become a God to us. They steal our glory. We worship them because we're saying, you're so important, you have the majority of my time and energy. And we look over to God and we go, how much time and energy do I put in Him? 
Reading his word, praying, studying, helping other people, loving people, being at church, serving, doing things for the kingdom of God. How much time do I just spend enjoying him in his presence in the quiet? And we're like, man, it's like this bit, you know? You know how like now like your iPhone tells you how much screen time you have and it breaks it out for you and like just reminds you now and then, at least mine does. So like I feel like if we were to do that with our time with God and that was part of it, a lot of us would have this little teeny red dot over here. And it'd be like, Instagram, like, 70 hours this week. And like, gaming, and, the, and these massive amounts of time and energy we put into everything else. Now, I have a hard time thinking we could put that much time and energy, and focus, and attention into something, and be able to say that God matters more than that thing to us that our heart has a deeper affection for him when we spend no time with him. We don't crave his word or to talk to him or to be in his presence. But we say we worship him. He says, I'm a jealous God. I want your attention and affection and love. Put no other gods before me. And y'all, I don't know, I can't define that for you tonight. I can't peer into your life and see how you're spending your time. But I could say it's a valid thing for you to sit back and look and say, am I really placing God first? Loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and saying, God, I have nothing else before you. You are the most important thing. There's a reason why that's the first commandment because it sets the tone for everything else. God, you're my everything. It's hard for sin to pop itself into your life when God means more than anything else. And so he sets the tone with that first command. You will have no other gods and nothing else before me. Then he says this, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. What is he talking about? Idols, right? These idol little totem pole looking things and maybe just that. Or maybe some other things in our lives that we create for ourselves that become more important to us than God. You see, he's so jealous after us. Feels like we're always running the other way. Look what he says next. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Once again, we've probably heard this since VBS when we were little, right? And so we think like that just means using the G-O-D word and we're saying that as a swear word and that's not all of the story behind this. You see, there are a lot of people that would claim to follow God and not really follow God. I'm a God follower, but then their life, they'd be living all sorts of other ways that did not honor Him. You go into their house and they'd have these, these idols sitting in the corner just in case God didn't come through. They would come over here and they would ask this idol they made to maybe kind of have a plan B to still get what they want. Or they'd walk out to the fields and say, man, God hasn't made our crops grow yet, so maybe we should pray to the corn God, and that's our plan B here. Sounds foreign, but don't we do that too in so many of the same ways? We claim that we follow Jesus. We put on the shirt. We've got a family that comes to church and walks in the front doors on Sundays and we maybe go to youth group, even FCA. We do things claiming the name of Jesus and then if you were to look at our social media account, 
you were to follow on Instagram, like, wait a minute, didn't you say you followed Jesus? Because that doesn't look like Jesus. He makes a big deal of this because he doesn't just say it. He says something after it. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God takes us so serious when we claim to follow him, but we really don't. We take his name in an empty way and wave his banner, but we live totally different, and our heart is not calling out to him. Our hearts aren't saying, God, I want you more than anything. Our hearts are saying, I love this world. Man, I love these things I have. Just enjoy my life. And and I'm not saying it's bad to enjoy your life, but when that's the focus of your heart, means you're not focused on the only one that matters, the only one that lasts forever, the only one who can offer you eternity. And we're claiming to follow him, but so many Christians just aren't. We're at church, but then that same weekend, we're out partying, doing all sorts of unholy things. We go to school, and we're cheating on each other, and copying each other's homework, and cheating on tests, and bullying people in the hallways, but like on social media, maybe we're trying to show like, hey, I'm the best, best Christian around, but then in real life, if you knew that person, and heard how they talked, or heard them in the locker room on the field, you'd be like, seriously? They claim to know Jesus? God takes it so serious for those who are taking his name in a way where they don't really mean it. They take it in vain. And the next command is this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And you're thinking, man, we haven't done that in a long time. Like, Sabbath was this day. wasn't Sunday, by the way. Any Spanish scholars in the room? I heard we have a few Spaniards in the room that got some really good tests, grades, and some awards for Spanish. What does Sabbath sound like for a day in Spanish? Sabado. And what is Sabado? Saturday. It's from the same Latin, actually, Hebrew word, sabaot, which means Saturday. And it really, it was just a day that was set aside where the Jews were told, hey, God created everything in six days, and the seventh day he rested, and so he's commanding you to do the same. He wants you to set aside a day where you rest. You don't do work. You don't even, like, you don't do things to make your life better financially or at work or whatever, you spend that day only focused on God. It's a day dedicated to Him. A lot of us, we use Sunday as that day. We go to church on Sunday and we rest on Sunday and we kind of use Sunday as our day to just focus on Jesus. Well, the Jews would do this and they even got to the point where they took it so serious that they couldn't even make like a meal. The women couldn't even make meals, so they'd make it the day before so the food would be ready. You couldn't pick heavy things up. So if I was like, hey, come hold this sign for me, they'd be like, no, 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 we can't hold a sign, that's work. Like even their donkeys couldn't do work. Their cows couldn't be milked, and they couldn't like do they couldn't do work on this day. It was like so, so set apart. You're like, whoa, I don't have a donkey. Some of you guys might. Anybody have a donkey? No? Oh, cool. All right. That's sad. Anyway. We're not necessarily commanded to follow it the way the Jews did because part of what they did was even added on. Like God didn't even say that. You know what God said about it here? To keep it holy. That was the command. 
but they were really good at doing what we did over here. And well, that means this and this and this and this and this would make this huge list. And God said, keep it holy. Remember me. Take time in your life where you're going to stop and say, this time is about you, God. All the distractions, the phone's going off. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to text. I'm just going to sit with my Bible, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to hear you, and I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to close my door. How many of you guys are doing that? You're taking a time out of each day to stop and just Sabbath and just listen to God and rest and be with him. I just love him. You see, nowadays, it's like our schedules. You guys are crazy, all right? I'm just going to tell you, you're just straight up crazy because in my day, we didn't, weren't anywhere near as busy as you. You're in middle school, and your calendars and schedules are so stinking full now, it's unbelievable. You don't have two seconds free where you can even fit in a friend to come talk and have, hang out. Like, you're always doing stuff. You run from hockey to football to soccer to choir to this to that. It's crazy, And it's getting worse in our culture that we're just constantly needing to be busy. And there's actually a commandment about that. To make sure you're taking time to not be busy. Now more than ever, we need to be reminded to Sabbath. To stop and say, I need time for you alone, God. To sit here and rest and hear from you. To talk to you and tell you what's going on in my heart. To read your word and hear it. I need time just to turn off the distractions and rest. I need time to go to church and be with other believers that will encourage me and say this day is about loving the believers around me and serving them. I need time for that. But so often now today, we think this this doesn't apply to us anymore. And so our schedules fill up and we push church aside and we push quiet time with the Lord aside And then we go, why am I so dry? Why is my heart just so so lonely and lost? I don't feel close to Jesus. Are you making time for him? Are you obeying this command and making a Sabbath? And so he says that. Listen what happens next. The next command, he says, honor your father and mother. Like everybody in the room is like, oh, no. You know that's a command. You know, God is asking you, he's telling you to obey mom and dad. Now, I could just, Titus always tells a story about going to Disney World and seeing how kids act in Disney World. He's <laughs> running wild and going nuts, and you're like, does anybody honor their mother and father anymore? Like, does this happen? And I hope and pray that you guys in your homes are honoring your mom and dad. You're respecting them. You're listening to them. You're obeying what they say without fighting them back because this is more than just obey exactly what they say. This is honoring them. This is looking at them and saying, not only will I obey it, but I believe what you say is wisdom, and so I'll take it respectfully and say, okay, when you tell me not to go to that party or hang out with those friends or stay out too late or you name it. The thing that ticks you off the most when mom and dad says no How do you take it in your heart? You know that's a sin when you dishonor your mom and dad? It's not just something you might get punished for from them at home. It's something that God looks at and says, that's a sin. And it's not just mom and dad. We're going to see Jesus takes that and says, it's an authority problem you have in your heart, which is sin. Your teachers, 
your pastors, your leaders, the people in your life that come around you that are in authority, do you respect them and honor them? And so this is setting that up for Jesus who's going to come next week and tell us a little bit something about that. Look what it says next, the next command. This is the one that's always first. And it was tonight too when we asked, what are the Ten Commandments? The one we remember, do not murder, right? That's kind of the big one, the M word. The one everyone's like, that's definitely sin. Don't murder. I don't want to kill somebody. And everything else is kind of like a little sin, like little lowercase sins around it. But murder's like the capital M, don't do that. Well, that's a good thing. You definitely should have a healthy respect of not murdering people. If anyone likes murder, please leave now. Uh, the doors are back there. We don't want you here. No, I'm just, I mean, we want you here. We want you to love Jesus. Just don't murder us, okay? Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of like, to me, almost seems misplaced. It's like in the middle. Honor your mother and father is listed before murder. You realize that? Like, I feel like when we write it, it's the number one deal. And that doesn't mean murder is any less important. Just how important is it to honor your mom and dad? All right, I'll get off that kick because you know where I'm going. But you shall not murder. And Jesus is going to take that another step for us next week too. Because we don't just murder with our hands or with a gun, but with our hearts. And so the thoughts that we think, the hatred that we might feel to people, Jesus says, that's murder. It's just as bad. You're guilty of murder when you do those things. The next one, it says you shall not commit adultery. Man, this is the one that like seems to always be the hot topic one. The one we talk about in school, the one your teachers talk about, it's always hot topic with the school board. It's on TV. Everybody's talking about adultery. What sin? What isn't sin when it comes to relationships, romantic relationships with people? Is it okay for guys to be with guys and girls to be with girls? Or for this guy to feel like he's actually a woman and so he claims to be a woman? And we need to honor that, right? All these different relationships that now are just swirling around your public schools and probably maybe some Christian schools. And even churches today are asking that question and taking votes saying, is this okay? Is that okay? But let me tell you, this is founded in Scripture. That there's a man and a woman that God created, and he created them in the garden. Right away in Genesis, we see this. And he calls them to marriage, to this relationship before God where they commit to one another for life. And within the confines of a man and a woman in marriage, that's the only way that that romantic relationship should exist. And outside of that, all of these other ways that the world's trying to say, this is okay, and maybe that's okay, and they're not hurting anybody. It's sin. It's just sin. It's just plain and clear in Scripture. It doesn't take us long to find it as we look through Scripture. God sets it up and says, you shall not commit adultery. Anything outside of a man and a woman in the bonds of marriage is sin. And I know you guys are dealing with that. I get questions about it all the time. As I walk through to FCAs, I'll be stopped in the hallway and asked the most awkward questions about stuff like that. It's like, whoa, like, okay, I didn't know we are that tight yet to talk about this stuff, but they're already asking that question. I want you guys to know the answer. The answer is it's sin. We love you. We love you as a person. God loves you. But outside of a man and a woman in marriage, 
That's sin. This next command, he says, you shall not steal. And you're like, okay, that's obvious. It's like when you take something that's not yours. But that's also when you take answers from someone else that aren't yours on a quiz or a test or a homework assignment. It talks about the honesty and the integrity of your heart. That when you do things that are dishonest, it dishonors God who is truth. And so it offends the very attribute of God. And when it dishonors God, it's sin. So thou shalt not steal doesn't just mean don't steal the marker or the really cool purse that girl has or whatever thing it is that you might take that's not yours. It talks about, is your heart honest? Are you a person who seeks truth? The next thing is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And so it builds up into this, like this deal of what do you say about the people around you? Do you straight up lie? Do you straight up say things that are dishonest or misrepresent people around you or gossip in ways that make other people look? And so we take this and we go, well, you know, it just doesn't seem like this is that bad. It's just a little thing that I said with my friends. Like We didn't mean anything really bad about that. But God looks at it and he looks straight into your heart and goes, are you trying to do this to honor me? Because if not, it offends me. This is sin. We need to get to a point where you and I can look at plain sin that God has laid out in Scripture and take it for what it is and say, God, because you've said it, I will obey. Period. And not be like the Israelites who are constantly going, but God, have you thought about this? And maybe we could talk about this, God. And they try to rationalize it. I didn't mean it. Instead, we just say, God, you wrote it. I believe you. And I want to honor you. Sin is sin just because you said it. And so then he says this. This is the last one. This is the one that I feel like gets the least amount of credit and is almost always uh, kind of left out as we have this conversation you shall not covet your neighbor's house. How often do you use the word covet in your conversations with your friends? Or even like discipleship time where you're sitting around with your, your life group. Man, I coveted last week and uh, I really need you to pray for my heart, you know, because I was coveting. We probably don't use it very often. It's probably the left out black sheep of the Ten Commandments, but it's probably the one that you and I do all the time and don't even notice. It's the one that says, man, look what they have. I really like that. How come, how come I don't have that? And then we start to get upset and it builds up in us and we start to want the things around us that we can't have until it consumes us and we're actually upset about it. And now I'm bitter to you because you have what I don't. And I'm bitter at God because he let you have it and not give it to me. And then I'm mad at everybody else because I think I deserve it. I think that one is so clear. Remember that filter that we looked at last week? When I see it with the lust of my eyes and I feel like I need it with the lust of my flesh and then I go, God, I deserve that. How come I don't have it with the pride of life? Coveting is something that's so easy for us to do and not even realize. How often do you look around you and go, how come I don't have that? You see that girl? You know, some, of the, some of the girls in the room might be like, man, her hair, how come I don't have her hair? Or her eyes, or I don't look like this, or I don't talk like that. Or, 
Dudes are like, man, I can't throw a football like that guy. How can it's not fair? He can throw that way. We're always looking at what we don't have. Instead of doing what God's asked us to do, and go, God, thank you so much for what you've given me. Thank you that I have exactly what you've wanted me to get. Most of all, thank you that I have Jesus who's looked at me and said, Rob, you're a broken mess sinner, but I love you and I'm sending my son to die for you so you can have eternal life. And I say, God, it doesn't matter if I have anything else in this world. I have you forever. What else could I possibly want? You see, that's what he's asking from us through these commandments. It's a list and they're clear and they're plain and we should follow them but there's a heart behind it that he's getting to us. Want me more than anything else, Rob, and it will free you from sin. You'll be free to sin, to not sin. You won't feel this obligation like, oh man, I have to sin because I don't have a choice, but now I'm actually free to go, I don't have to sin. I get to follow Jesus. And that's how awesome the power of God is in us when we actually follow and obey. Now listen, That's kind of like, that's the list part. And I know lists are hard to get through, but we wanted to look at it because they're plain and they're clear. But then he says this thing at the end I don't want you guys to miss. The end of this passage, Moses is talking to the people and they're freaking out because God's doing some crazy stuff around them as this is happening. He comes down with his tablets. He's telling them what's going on. And there's lightning just just blasting across the sky. There's, There's clouds. There's pure darkness. There's smoke coming up out of the mountain. And they're like, what is going on? Don't let God talk to us. We are scared to death. If God says a word right now, we're going to die. And I don't really think it was as much the lightning and the thunder of the mountain, though, that they were scared of. Let me just throw this out there. They had just heard the Ten Commandments. They had just heard ten things that God said, don't do these things. I don't want you to sin against me. And they're like, that's only 10. And, and if I do any of those, it's sin. And I'm offending the God of the universe. Don't let him even talk to me. Don't let God come near us. How are we ever going to obey those things? How am I ever going to go about my life and not think a horrible thought about somebody? How am I ever going to be perfect and and not tell a little white lie or cheat on my homework or do any of these things? And they're thinking like, that's only 10. How am I ever going to please God? Moses, don't let him come near us. You tell us instead. You talk to us in his place. I bet the mountain was scary. I bet the thunder and lightning was scary. But I think the thing that scared them the most was knowing they could never keep this list. They're looking at it going, how in the world? And that's exactly what it's made to do. It's to show you and I that we can never be good enough. And as you look at a list of sin and what it takes to please God, it should overwhelm you it should leave you feeling like you can't. It should leave you asking Moses to say, don't let God come near me. Because we can't keep that list. 
And that's the beauty of Jesus. That Jesus says, I can keep it. I can come down and keep it in your place. I can go to the cross after keeping it perfectly and die for the sins you've already done. And my blood can make God look at you and just see me totally perfect with no sin when he looks at you if you believe in me. And he won't see all those lists piled up on your account that you've done wrong, lists and lists and lists against you of sins. He just sees the blood of Jesus. And he says, Rob's perfect. I'm looking at him right now. I see Jesus all over Rob. I don't see his sin. I see the blood of my son. Because Rob can't do that, but Jesus did it for him. And that frees me to feel like now you better believe I want to run from that stuff. You better believe that I don't want to murder or do any of those other things that are on that list. Not because now I feel like I have to or God's going to spite me, but because Jesus loved me enough to die for it. And now I'm free to go, Jesus, let me be like you. Jesus, I can't wait to run a race with you and to stay away from this stuff and to chase you, Jesus. There's a freedom in the way you and I run from sin that unbelievers don't have. They're slaves to it. And legalists try to do it and please God, and he keeps looking down and going, you can't do it. Nope, didn't get it yet. That's not good enough. You're never going to please me. Until Jesus steps in and he goes, Blake, I just see my son on you, man. Dom, all I see is the blood of Christ on you. When we see sin that is plain, we have the privilege and the power of the Holy Spirit now to flee sin. Remember that first passage we looked at that said, take the sin and toss it aside? We've got the list to show us what that is so we know how impossible that is on our own and that you and I can look at these things and go, Jesus, it's all about you. You've done this for me on the cross. You guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I can't wait till next week where we get to look at what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount about sin and how Jesus takes and looks at this list and does something absolutely unbelievable with it. Something that changes the way I live my Christian life, the way I look at sin and how he highlights some of these things to say, Rob, it's not about you, it's about me. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you're here and you keep trying to keep tabs on yourself and to fight sin by yourself and to just change your behavior. And you're frustrated like crazy because you just can't seem to do it. I want to pray for you tonight because I know exactly how you feel. I want to pray that God helps to free you from that. That you place your trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you of those sins. That you trust in Jesus Christ to help you realize that you're free to not do those sins now and the chase after him. Let me pray for you right now tonight. Dear God, we claim to do nothing on our own. Father, there's no way I can stand up to all the sins that we could list tonight 
I'm a wretched man, Father. I still have broken flesh, but I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And for that, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can come to you and ask you to help us. God, we can ask you to give us the power to say no and to chase after Jesus Christ and to be like him. So, Lord, tonight I ask, will you do that for us? Will you cause us to love you more than anything else, to flee from sin? Because all we want to do is see your face, to be like you and to honor you. God, will you be glorified through our lives as we look up and say, Jesus, we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.